Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 226. Okay, so, uh... Oh, wait, wait, wait. One, 126. That's right, sorry. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah. It was close enough. You had most of the numbers correct. Yeah. Well, three. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is a very special episode today. We have uh, a very popular topic to discuss. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm completely lying. We have nothing. We yeah. uh, we, had, we had planned on a couple of things, actually. Um, but uh, time did not permit uh, some of us to uh, do the required reading. Um, absolutely none of that is what happened. <laughs> well, no, no, that's absolutely true. It's just that I was the person that, you know, didn't do the reading. Yeah, you're like, you were like... Hey, let's do an episode on Millennium for some reason. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Then it turns out that you thought Millennium was Cosmic Odyssey, and then you realized you hate Cosmic Odyssey. So we're just, <laughs> just kind of doing whatever right now. Yeah. Well, it's not that I hate Cosmic Odyssey because, like, what I actually was able to get through, um, I thought was pretty cool, uh, and I actually do want to get to that in the future, the near future, as well as Millennium. It's just that I did not realize how much reading was required for it, and I did not have the energy to do it. We should wait for the new Millennium. <laughs> well, you know, with us, with our scheduling, it'll probably happen naturally. Right. So we figured we'd just talk about a bunch of random topics, and uh, I'm sure some of it's going to touch on Green Lantern. Oh, yeah, it will. It's fine. So, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I have a bunch of topics to, to throw out, Dan, but why don't you start us off with something? Well, you know, Shia LaBeouf has a song. No, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Where to begin? Well, all right, well, let, let's start with the probably the most on-point thing we could possibly talk about. Okay. Uh we got a first look at the new 52 design for Alan Scott as per the cover to uh, Earth 2 number 3 that is yet to be published. Have you seen this? Um, you know, I did, but I don't remember it, so I'm checking Here. Yeah. Here it is. There he is. And... Oh, yes. Yes. Ah. Uh kind of a different take on the guy, isn't it? Yeah. I okay. Um I don't I don't hate the design. I don't hate the look of it. Um I mean, I think the logo is is interesting. Uh, I think the the ring is kind of cool looking. Uh, I I like the flames. Um but the thing that has me very like cautious on this one is the fact that first off He's, like, surrounded by burning bodies, which, I mean, truth be told, the original Alan Scott, you know, got his ring um, during, like, a train accident. He was the only one that survived because of the, the lantern that had protected him. So, I mean, you could, you know, you could make some uh, comparisons there, but, like, they're saying something along the lines of, like, you know, they're going to completely redo his origin. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I took this... I, I mean, I don't know necessarily this will play out in the book, but I took this cover to basically be a kind of an origin shot where, like, the powers, like, overtake him for the first time kind of thing. And, like you said, like, saving his life as opposed to, like, all of the others around him. Oh, that... Oh, my God. Actually... That makes sense because you can see his ribs. It's almost like the energy is like bringing him back to life. Yeah, maybe. Like he was know. burning to death also, and the ring is actually like you know bringing him back. Yeah, and I like and you touched on a symbol. I kind of like it. It's, it's I mean it's basically, it's the Green Lantern core symbol, but it has like a handle kind of flop behind it, which. You know, it actually, I mean, we don't see a straight-on picture of it. It's, like, to the side or whatever, but it looks better than you would think it would just by, like, hearing that description. And, I don't know, it's, I would describe this... <clears throat> I mean, uh, first off, we only see, like, his torso clearly, really, so so we can't really comment on the entire design, but from what we can see, I would describe it as kind of a uh, a more armored version of Jon Stewart's costume, Yes, I would. I would say that, like this, this costume has like visual design elements from John Stewart's costume, uh, Superboy Prime's costume, and like the Parallax costume. Uh, yeah. Okay, I can, I can see where you're coming from for that. Yeah. Now, what do you think of the possible implications that they might tie Alan Scott directly into? say, Earth 2's Green Lantern Corps? Um, well, since it's Earth 2, I think we probably won't... We, we won't get, like, a, a Green Lantern Corps the way that it is in our universe. Oh, yeah, but, like, I'm... Like, when I saw this image, like, the one thing that really hit me was, okay, they're going to be weaving some sci-fi into Alan Scott from the get-go this time around, as opposed to kind of or incorporating it later with a uh, revised origin of where his battery came from. Um, I mean, I guess that's maybe. Um, it, it could be that, or it could just be that, you know, the, the ring is still just magic-based in this universe, and that in this universe it just happens to look very similar to the Green Lantern Corps. Um, it could be. I mean, I'm not dismissing the whole, like, the magic aspect from him at all. I mean, like, if you even look closely, like, at his ring hand, which is also apparently being burnt away and re regenerated, but, like, they've got, like, like this almost twinkling white light around it, so it's, like, it's it definitely says magic, yeah. you know? I don't know. Like, I've, I feel like... I should dislike this more than I do, but I don't know. I'm kind of fine with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, like, as, as like, fans, um, the, the natural knee-jerk reaction is to dislike things. And I think maybe, like, so many things have come down the pike that we've disliked that it's almost like you want to really give things a chance so that it doesn't look like you're, you know, just doing the typical fanboy hate. Mm. Um, and when you look at it with like a more open mind, I mean, it's not a bad costume. 
the ring design is cool. The, the logo is cool. Um, and it, it, yeah, like you said, it definitely looks like it has the magic tie-ins. Um, I mean, I'm cautious, but I'm optimistic on this. Yeah. I mean, I also typically get used to new costumes and character changes really easily. Like, like I'll, like when Marvel did, like they made beast into cat beast or whatever, like the first time I saw it, I reacted the same way everybody else did. Like a month later, I liked it. Like as of right now, I hope he never goes back to the old beast. You know, I know he will, but I hope he doesn't. And like when they had like that uh, Iron Spider-Man armor thing around Civil War, like hated it first. Month or so later, fine with it. You know, it's, it's like uh, these, these characters, you know, reboot or relaunch or not. You know, like these characters get different costumes sometimes, and sometimes they go away. You know, whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, the original, <laughs> the original Alan Scott costume. I mean, it's iconic, and it it does have its its charm with its colors, but I mean, in in today's day and age, like that kind of costume doesn't really uh, it can't really compete too well. Yeah, and I think that's the point in story as well, because I mean, Earth Two hasn't started yet, but. Everything that I'm seeing makes me think that this, like, these aren't going to be the generation before anymore. These are going to be contemporaries to the Justice League. You know, like, so this is, like, this is Alan Scott's origin playing out in 2012. You know, not 1940. So, I mean, <clears throat> part of the reason the, the extra campiness of the JSA is old original suits worked out and were perfectly acceptable is because they were they're like they were invented decades ago and they still wore them and it was a nice throwback to that because you know that's where they were from and they're just they're keeping the glory days going but i mean i think like yeah it would have been nice to see the classic alan scott costume in this new iteration of earth 2 but it wouldn't it would like (laughs) it would have been like an extra extension of disbelief to go with the whole, like, yeah, they would come up with that today and use that all the time. (laughs) Like, it would have to have that historical bend on it, which, you know, I would have been open to a a more historical Earth 2, but, yeah, whatever. Let's see what they do with this. Um, I guess if we're going to stay on comic news, have you seen any of the, and this is highly spoilerific, so, okay. um, uh, so I, I'm not going to go too much into detail. Let me ask you this. What? Is it about the 2013 thing? Yes. Yeah, I saw that today. Okay. So there is an image circulating for, uh, from what appears to be from the, um, free comic book day book. And, um, I mean, I we we don't need to really go too much into detail on that until after the free comic, you know, book day thing has come out. There's really not any detail to go into. Well, there, no, there's a lot of you know um, speculation and things like that going around already. But mm-hmm. one of the one of the key elements that it relates to us is that you know there's this giant gatefold cover uh, with a picture of Green Lantern. And it's not any Green Lantern that we've seen, or at least it's a costume that we've never seen. 
Um, we don't know who's under the costume because they're wearing a mask. Yeah, it kind of looks like Captain Britain a little bit. <laughs> well, somebody had mentioned something about uh, one of the Storm Stormwatch characters. Um, oh, are they? Is somebody from Stormwatch getting a ring? Well, they, on uh, was it the uh, BleedingCool.com website? Somebody in the the comments had mentioned that um, I guess in one of the issues of Stormwatch, it, they have like a like a warehouse type room, mm-hmm. and in there they have a Green Lantern ring. Interesting. So, so I know they're going to be they're going to be doing that uh, two issue crossover with Red Lantern. So maybe something happens in there. You know, the, the mask design looks like it could be Midnighter, maybe? I think that was the one that they had said. So, that's a possibility. Um, kind of a cool costume to look like. So, I mean, like I don't really know anything about Midnighter myself. Um, but if you look closely at the image, the one thing that you can see is what looks to be like a thin little mustache. And you, it, uh, I guess you can see the arms, but I, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a mustache. Like it, it could just be shading. But you can see the arms, but because of like the the glow and uh, other colors and stuff like that, um, it doesn't really give you a a clear picture of who. I mean, like realistically, it could be any of the the lanterns. Um, he looks like he has a darker skin tone, but I don't know if that's just a lighting thing. Exactly. So. So there's that to look forward to. Yes. And I'm sorry, is that over on the far left? Is that supposed to be Vibe? Yes. As far as I know, I think so. <laughs> That's amazing. Because I looked at this, I'm, I see that I see Element Woman in the middle. I'm like, oh, great, finally. Because I am, I was legitimately looking forward to that character showing up. And then I look slightly to the left. I'm like, wait, Vibe? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, do you have any other comic news like that? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Talk about Alan Scott's new look. Are you going to get Earth 2, by the way? Uh, I think I'm going to have to. Yeah? Just because it's... <laughs> look, I have absolutely no idea what's, what's going on with that. Um, nope. So I think from the sheer curiosity factor, they've got me. Yeah. Now let me actually let me ask you that because I know with like moving and trying to move again, a lot of stuff you have is in storage. You your whole comic routine has been kind of thrown into flux, except for the Lantern books, right? Basically. So, like, are you still buying other stuff, or are you just waiting to sort that whole thing out? And once you get your new place, uh, no, no, I, I still buy, you know, I still keep up with, uh, you know, the comics, except for the fact that, like in general, since since I moved, um, it's not so much that I don't want to buy them because I don't want to have to store them or sort through them or anything like that. It's just that since since I moved and you know due to like lack of time with everything. Uh, especially the first three months of, you know, Lauren being pregnant, um, I I kind of lost track of a bunch of comics. 
Um, mm. You know, like, like obviously I'm keeping up with all the Green Lantern books. Um, and honestly, that's about it. <laughs> like, Justice League. I mean, I've been picking up Justice League. Um, I Aquaman, always, too, I know. Well, with, with, the thing is, with Justice League, at least I look through that. Um, you know, like, I think I didn't read the final issue of the, uh, the first arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I, I flipped through it, you know, got an idea of what happened, and then haven't had time to, like, really go back and read it since. I didn't read the next one, except I did read the Shazam backup tale. Yeah, oh, it, issue seven was great. I loved that issue. Um, I got, you know, issue eight today. So, I mean, like, I am, you know, I'm <laughs> buying the books that I want to buy. Um, but you like, just don't know if you still like them. <laughs> yeah, well, like Aquaman, I'm picking up the issues. I haven't, I haven't actually read Aquaman since like issue three. Wow. Because um, I was gonna ask, like, what? Because I was curious, like, what of the new Fifty Two you were still reading? Yeah. But it turns out you're, you're probably still buying what you were buying, but you don't know if you're liking it. <laughs> like, uh, I picked up, I think it was issue three of Blue Beetle. Um, because it kind of gives way to what's going to happen later on in Blue Beetle and uh, New Guardians. New Guard, yeah. Um, I oh god, I know I have a couple of issues of Captain Adam to read, and I I definitely have a couple of issues of uh, Resurrection Man. But I mean, like as as much as I enjoyed reading those two series and Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was the other one. As much as I enjoyed all three of those series, since I've been away from them for so long, it's like I kind of lost track and I don't care as much about them. Mm. So. That happens. Yeah. So, I mean, like, right now, like, the things that I'm, you know, just really enjoying and looking forward to is the Green Lantern books, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, which we'll get to that in, in a minute. <laughs> um, and, uh,. You know what I picked up today? I picked up uh, the Manhattan Project. Oh yeah, the um, the one that, was that CGS, Vertigo or Image? Image CGS, you know, was they just did uh, off the rack, so I picked that up. Yeah, I mean, I had ordered, I got them. I didn't read yet, but I got the Manhattan Project. Uh, I'm not gonna remember which is which. There, I got two from Vertigo and two from Image. So it was the Manhattan Project, uh, Hoax Hunters. The New Dead Guardians and Saucer Country. Okay. Oh, uh, the other one that I I picked up the first issue, um, and now I'm unable to find the second issue of Fairest. Oh yeah. That's the uh, Fables kind of spinoff kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, the first issue I thought was okay, um, but the premise <laughs> is interesting enough that I'll stick with it. Yeah, somebody asked me recently, like, what's Fairest about? And I'm like, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> like, I, 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 re- assume, I assume it's just, like, about the women of fables or something? Well, yeah, I read the first issue, and I'm not really sure. Oh, um, that's a good sign. Yeah, well, it's but it's, it's entertaining enough. Like, I, I don't really know where they're going with it, but it is entertaining. So, it's like, you know, it's kind of like with New Guardians. It's like, I don't know where he's headed, but I'm enjoying the ride. Or you'll find out, like, Sleeping Beauty is a orange construct in disguise. 
I don't. I, I, I'm imagining that she'll show up, but I don't know. So I'm like, I can stick with that, except for the fact that you know it's sold out. I've, I've been to two comic shops, and it's sold out of both of them. You know, and there are others that just didn't order any. Hmm. So it's like, you know, help me out here. I'm trying to follow a comic, um, but I mean that can also be said of Avengers versus X Men. Don't. Wait, don't like. What? Wait, that. So let me get this straight. You go to, I'm assuming, more than one comic book store looking for Avengers vs. X Men, and they didn't order enough of Marvel's big summer event to keep it on the shelf? What I'm telling you is that I've been to two <clears throat> comic book shops who both upped their orders based on the first one. Based on the first one's sales, they upped their orders, and they already sold out by Thursday. Uh, wait, they, what What issue are we talking about they sold out of? I'm talking about issue two of X-Men vs. Avengers. Okay. Two weeks ago, Avengers vs. X-Men, or what, you know, whatever the order goes, uh, AVX, number one. It comes out, and you know, within a day, two days, whatever... Three days, it sells out. Now, two weeks later, the second issue comes out. The comic book shops, you know, because it's a, you know, whatever, you know, the, the way that they're doing it, Marvel allows you to up your order if you, you know, need to. So, yeah. you know, because they, they print extra copies. They know that people are going to come back and ask for more copies. And the comic shops that I went to both did. They upped their orders. They said, oh, you know what, this is doing really well based on... You know the the the, uh, the rate of loss of a comic. You know will up our orders to this much, um, and then they still sold out. So they ordered big on issue one, and then ordered probably half as much for issue two because that's just how it goes usually. Then probably more than half. Then when you know issue one was selling super well they're like ah let's increase issue two right. and then they still sold out of their increased order of issue two right that's surprising yes yeah i i, w- I was shocked like that that's like one of those one of those books where like i figured it's like oh well i don't have to worry about this one selling out i mean like you know to have to worry about them selling out of issue two of the biggest crossover, you're not even talking about, like, you know, going in the day before, you know, the new comic book day. You're talking about, you know, the next day. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about events and whatever, but, like, I mean, look, it it took, like, we've, we've been loosely keeping track of the top ten sales per month on the show lately, and the first thing, the first Marvel book to crack the top ten in months was AVX. So, and like, and comic shops know that. Like, what's, like, whenever Marvel does their big event, DC2, we're talking about Marvel, like, whenever Marvel does their big summer event, it's always, it's, it's basically always in the number one spot, especially, like, the first issue or two. So why, and retail, stores know that. So yeah. why wouldn't you order a shit ton because like this is like this is your blockbuster movie equivalent if you're at a comic book store. Like this is this is what's going to move the most copies. Right. And what what makes it even worse is the fact that like 
they almost almost always have to order some of the second print. Hmm. You know, so like if you know you're going to be ordering from the second print anyway, I don't know. I just yeah. don't I don't get it. But yeah, that's I have to say that was um I don't know. It's like it's depressing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it could be a good sign that all of a sudden that the store is doing really good business beyond their expectations. <laughs> but by the same token, everybody that is coming in to try and get that comic now is going to walk out disappointed. Yeah. Because the only like what's, the only other option is to spend 3.99 on, you know, just getting the digital copy, which we've talked about. Yeah. No. No. Like, was the guy behind the counter saying anything? Like, like, oh my god, we sold, like, a thousand copies in two days. We have more on order or anything like that. Yeah, well, he was... Like, he said he he didn't even get a copy. He's like, yeah, he's like, it, it sold out, you know... He even upped the orders. He was, he was shocked. He was shocked. The guy that worked there didn't even get to get a copy of this comic. So... I mean, like, beyond poor ordering, the only variable I can think of, and I've never run a comic store or ordered anything for a retail store, so I don't know the ins and outs of everything, how it works, but it seems cut and dry enough that I feel completely justified in making snap judgments. <laughs> um, like, the only other variable I can think of is the Avengers movie that's about to hit, and but I don't really believe that would drive sales up that much I don't, I don't know i i mean like unless unless the movie is having you know it's getting the avenger name into comic buying you know fans heads because i mean i definitely don't think that it's uh like a case of you know like non-comic this- fans coming in and you know clamoring for this book yeah and i mean in which case like I think that that would be the only way this would be happening because I mean if it's if we're talking about just people who are already comic fans, then you know Avengers hype is nothing new that would have all of a sudden hit like like you wouldn't have been able to get an issue of New Avengers for the last three months if that was the case. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I was very disappointed. I, you know, and I considered also like it's like, well, maybe I'll just get Avengers, but it's like, well, okay, why would I buy Avengers if I can't get Avengers versus X Men too? You know? Well, I'm sure it ties. Oh, it definitely ties in. Oh, I'm sure it ties in, but I mean, that's the point. <laughs> like, why would I, you know, buy this tie-in issue if I can't get the main book issue? Yeah, I mean, they they usually. I know at least with Secret Invasion, they kind of structured it so that it's its own story off to the side. Like, I don't think, like, it would be one of those where if I read this Avengers tie-in issue before the second issue is the main thing, then I'm going to spoil something for that, or I'm going to miss something. Ah, whatever. I mean, like, Secret Avengers, which I'm looking forward to, it should be here in a few weeks, is, like, it's that whole, like, that uh, kind of side story of, like, the team sent into space to try and kind of intercept the Phoenix on its way. 
So like I feel completely safe in reading just those issues and skip it without like having to read the main event kind of thing, you know? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> Oh. So. Let's see. What um, else we got here? Okay. So, well, you, do you have something else? Um. This is like, I guess kind of a rumor. I think we were looking at Bleeding Cool at the same time today. Which is weird, because I don't usually go there. <laughs> oh, I only went because uh, Mark Marble gave me a heads up on my Facebook. Oh, I forgot why I went. But well, it might have been Facebook as well. Damn you, social media. But um, the... Let me see here. I forget what it said. <clears throat> uh, well, it's currently a rumor that... That... Uh, in September, instead of doing number 13s, DC is going to be doing all number zeros. Right. They're going to have, uh, like, flashbacks or something to show, like, what happened kind of in the gap between I guess that first Justice League arc and the present five year later uh, time period that we've been living in. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess first of all, Marketing aside, what would you think of that? Just as a storytelling device. I would think that... Honestly? Yes. Like No, lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? Hmm. Like, that's kind of, Like, what I would go into that as is... You know, what, is, what would be the point of having to do a zero issue? I mean... You started everything new. You made everything accessible. You know, everybody knows that this is a new universe, so that things in the past may be similar, may be different, whatever. Anything that they de- deal with in a zero issue, you know, if they needed to reference something like that, you have a flashback at the beginning of an issue, and then just go on with your story arc. Yeah. Um, to me, like, the concept of a zero... like. Back when they did Zero Hour, the reason why I think the Zero Issues worked then is because it didn't happen one year after they just rebooted a universe. Mm. Um, you know, like, they, they did Zero Hour, they wanted to change some things, and, you know, in the process of changing a few little things, the, the things that they'd actually changed were, were very minor, relatively, with Zero Hour. You know, you throw out these zero issues where it's like, okay, this is the perfect jumping on point for tons of new readers. And, you know, you just pick up a zero issue. It gives you the origin of the character. Um, you know, it gives you some different, you know, tidbits on what's going on and stuff like that. And then you go back to the series and you're ready to get immersed. What if that's part, at least part of the point then? Because... They, like you said, this is this is a year after the initial launch of the New 52. So now, if you give somebody a number zero, then a year later, you can push for a jumping on point all over again. But... Like, not... Like, like in terms of, like, trying to up your audience again, you know? My, like, my point is... Is that... 
like then that 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 is an incredibly cheap ploy because if you just restarted the universe, then you know like between now and the end of the year or even into next year, I think is when they're going to start rolling out all their trades. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get you know a new reader into the book, you know you just advertise the trades. <clears throat> you know it's like okay, well here's here's where it starts, you know, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, it, of course, it's a cheap ploy. Zero issues have always been a cheap ploy forever. Well, I, that's, no, because that's, yeah, I yes. absolutely do not think. I think that zero issues. Okay, it, it's it's kind of a ploy because just because like it's like oh well, you have all these issues and now we're, it's a zero issue. But when they first came out with zero issues and even the half issues. It was like, you know, the novelty factor of it. You know, everybody's like, oh, what are they going to put in there? It could be anything. Zero issues have always just been like an extension of the number one issue phenomenon. It's like... And especially, like, you you put the... If you were going to put the entire line to number zero, like, that just cries out to collectors. But, yeah, if you're putting it... Like, to, to have to do it one year... I, it just it strikes me as incredibly unnecessary, and you know it's it's just like okay, well, this is going to be you know their opportunity to do you know it's it's almost like like uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Fruit salad. Now, um, it's the only term I know when. Okay, well, when uh, when Jeff Johns made the fear monster, you know, when he made Parallax into a fear monster, what what, what was okay. that term? Retcon. Retcon. Yes. How is this like a retcon? Well, what I'm saying is, is that if somebody wants to do a retcon, you know, you have a flashback, they can do it at any given point. But if you give them a zero issue, it's almost like giving them a license to do like like wholesale retconning. Like, they can retcon just, like, anything they want, you know, and do it in, like, one zero issue. And it's almost like, okay, well, you know, you thought you knew, you know, what there was. Now you have to buy the zero issue because we're changing tons of shit in their backstory. And now you have to read it to find out what we're going to do in the future. It's almost oh. like, you know, we're, we're going to fuck up their past, you know, so that it'll have ramifications in the future, and you'll have to read about that past. We can't just tell you the story that we're going to tell you. What of all? What out of everything you just said? What has to be in a zero issue that couldn't be in like a number twenty-three issue? You know, if in, if in the Flash number twenty-three, they give us like this insane. Let's, oh, whatever, this insane retcon to the Flash's history and how the entire DC universe works, and then from that point forward, anybody who wants to understand anything has to go get a copy of Flash 23. Like, the fact that it's a zero doesn't really matter in that case. Well, yeah, my point is, though, is that if you... You can, you can do that... I have no problem with you doing that in any regular issue. You know, you have a flashback, you do the retcon, you go forward. Um... Because it's probably, like, you know, the way that they write stories nowadays, it's pretty much going to be, 
you know, pertinent for that storyline so that they can put it in a trade. And then if it's really that important, they'll make mention of it down the road in future storylines so people aren't lost. With a zero issue, it's like what has to be in a zero issue is a story that comes before issue number one. And with, you know, so many of the series starting fresh, it's like, you know, okay, well, if you have a firestorm, you know, issue zero, which, mm-hmm. oh, God, you know what? I don't even want to go there. <laughs> um, well, actually, that series might benefit from it because, uh, I mean, I've, I've only been keeping up with that through other podcasts, but there's still, like, a lot of question marks in terms of, like, what happened before they, like the kids got their powers in issue one. So, like, a zero issue just, like, maybe following Martin's sign <clears throat> might be, like... It, like, it could be, it, it might be, like, a case of, like, like okay, this is kind of interesting, people have been wondering about this, and maybe, you know, number 13, which follows immediately after, is going to be a story arc that explores, you know, the fallout of that, and them learning the truth about what happened to Stein, and this and that. But what I'm getting at is that, okay, for a book like, for a book like um, Firestorm, where they just basically came in and said, yeah, everything that's come before we're going to completely disregard and we're just going to go forward, you know, with a brand new story. So that you don't have to do a zero issue. You can do it in flashbacks and you can do it as a mystery. You get like, you'd have a much better story if you had somebody figuring out, you know, we know what happened or, you know, the, the flashbacks to add, flavor and color to a story that's ongoing in the regular series. Um, You know, but like, with a zero issue, it's almost like if you give Batman a zero issue, where they basically said, oh yeah, basically everything in Batman is just like the original continuity, so you could just go back and read all the previous Batman books, it's almost like by giving it a zero issue, they're going to have to define things, and when you have to define things, you are giving yourself like more boundaries and rules that you're going to have to play by in the future. And but you're they, also what you're also assuming that they're going to be very broad with the content that of this of these issues, like <clears throat> like well, the, using Batman as an example, you know. What if the Zero Issue has nothing to do with establishing the entire history of this character and more to do with with showing, say, I don't know, some... Well, I think they even give the example here of, like, some aspect of the history of the Court of Owls. You know, which is something they're exploring a little bit, or they're going to start exploring a little bit with backups in the Batman book and with a... a uh, not Jonah Hex, what's that book called? All-Star Western? So maybe it could be something like that. Um, well, that like right there, <clears throat> like that's my point. Like you can have it in backups. You know, you can have you can have one shots. You can have mini series. This basically is a one shot. It's a, it's a one shot that takes place in the past. But it's it's not. Yes, it is. Okay, listen. A one shot <laughs> is something that r- runs alongside the regular series. You're oh. telling me that the zero issue is taking the place of issue thirteen. No, I'm not. You're saying I'm that saying that I'm month. saying I'm saying the numbering of the series will go ten, eleven, twelve, zero, 
thirteen. Right. So for one month, you like you don't get the next issue of the story. You get this zero issue, which goes before what you read. I mean, it's not even like oh God. I just, I just I'm not it's feeling a, it this time. It's not like this is a new storytelling tool. Like you've never read a book or a comic or seen a TV show where all of a sudden they'll take out one entire installment and just set it in the past because you've come to a point in the story where that'll benefit the audience, and then they jump back into the present to keep going with the story. What I'm saying is that <clears throat> flashbacks are a you know a great use of the medium. Um, like I, I have nothing against flashbacks. But, Unless they're a whole issue. Well, you can even have the flashback be the whole issue. But it's like, why does it have to be a zero issue? Then it's just gimmicky. You always did put too much importance on numbers. <laughs> and yeah, of course it's gimmicky. That's the point of doing... Like, look, putting a, zero, putting a zero on the cover, issue number zero, that's going to appeal to collectors, that's going to look like a big, flashy, jumping-on point to people who think, oh, the DC New 52, oh, how much, there's like a year of this stuff already? Oh, I oh. get bogged down with 12 issues worth of continuity? I don't want to get bogged down with one whole trade to read? Listen, I don't agree with the people that say, oh, it's been around 50 years, I don't want to try it now, and I also don't agree with the people that say, oh, is it, it's... It's been around for a whole year. That's too much. But you know what? People do. There are people out there who say that. And you know what? DC knows, every publisher knows, that you play with the numbering a little bit, it's going to generate more sales. <laughs> oh, God. You're already up to issue four? Uh, I don't want to have to worry about going back and getting all the other issues. Oh, but I have them all right here, right next to issue number four. Oh, uh, but I can't be bothered with actually picking them up and taking them to the register. Don't act like you've never done that. You have. You're gonna tell me you have never in your life, you know, thought about. Oh, maybe I'll get into to to, to, to name a character but, right I, now. But, but the example that I just gave is exactly like the new Fifty Two, where if you go into a comic book shop and you see number four, issue one, two, and three, you know, maybe they're second prints, but the stories are all there. Unless it's AVX, in which case you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Unless you're me, unless you're me, yeah, but, and you know they just don't like ordering enough comics for the stuff that I like. But something I something that happens to me constantly is I'll see something I'm kind of halfway interested in, but I'm like, oh, they're all, they're already like three or four issues in. Uh, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll wait for the trade, and then time goes by, and then I just completely end up passing on it, and then the series is over. Well, a lot of times when I do that, it's for limited series, and then by the time it's over, it's like, okay, well, now let me, you know, like, look for reviews and stuff like that, you know, and if there's, like, no buzz whatsoever for something, you know, or, you know, everybody's just saying, oh, it was, you know, it was okay or whatever, then you just saved yourself a bunch of money. <laughs> I'll tell you the two books that I think this does make sense. I mean, look, I'm I'm kind of arguing the opposite point to you here because I I'm I'm pretty much going into this with the same mindset as I am the Alan Scott costume, whereas like 
It's like, okay, they're doing this. Let's see what happens. But two books that I do kind of think this makes sense for is uh, Justice League and Action Comics. Because of the whole New 52, those are the only books where they very flat out started us in the past, then jumped five years ahead, and then started telling stories in the present. So it makes sense that they would kind of dip back into the in-between time here and there a little. Yeah, but if it's a zero issue... Oh my god. (laughs) That would come before the flashback. You know what? Maybe it doesn't. It doesn't have to. It's a zero issue. They can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, (laughs) if it was uh, issue 6.5... Oh, God. You know what they should really just do for comics? They should just dump the numbering just outright. Just dump it. And just just, uh, do it the way magazines do. And just have, like, like November 2011 issue, December 2011 issue, January 2012 issue, and just keep going like that. We could get away from all of this this numbering gimmickry completely. Everyone would know exactly what order the series goes in. Yeah, but but the problem with that is. Uh, there's so many problems with that. Oh, like what? Like what? Okay, for one thing, writers that write for the trade. Uh-huh. Now, if you're looking at an issue one or an issue six, you know, like, you're better prepared to, you know, think that it's the start of a new trade. Oh God, I can't. You, I can't wait, even. Wait, wait. I can't even debate this. I cannot even debate this tonight. Are you saying? Wait, are you saying that writers would get confused because they would forget what no, issue they're on? Yeah, no, I'm talking about you know the the comic buyers. You know, would be confused about what story arc you're on. Oh God, it's just. I, they, like, like, nobody's saying that the title of the story couldn't still have, like, part one of six in it or something. It's, it just wouldn't have a big number in the corner of the cover. Oh, God. I, but, I mean, that's the same thing, though. You're still keeping it in a chronological order with the date. Yeah, yeah, with the name of a month and the year it's published in. Look, you take... You take issue numbers out of the equation, they, can, they we avoid all this bullcrap of the constant, like, number one, like, shit they do all the time. We avoid the number zero business. But you we would avoid, never know we, how, how much backstory is there. You know, like, with Action Comics, <clears throat> what did that get up to, like, issue 600, 700, something like that? I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it got up to issue seven hundred before. Oh, it's probably more than they that. They renumbered. Oh, I, but I mean, they got to issue seven hundred. You know, whether yeah, they you... went past it. But what I'm saying is that seven hundred is a legacy. Uh huh. You know, and you know, like that this character has been through so much, so you know that you can go back, you know, at any given point and and pick up all that extra stuff to read the stories, but. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing it by months, it's like, okay, 
well, I'm getting March 2011. I have no idea when this series started. You know, I have no idea how far away I am from the beginning. I don't know if I'm getting in, you know, where they're starting to establish things. I don't know if I'm getting in where things have already been established. Like, first off, that's, you know, that's one of the benefits of the number ones. And that's why number ones sell. Because people are looking for an easy access point. Yeah, it's it's also, like, a good deal of what's wrong with the comic buying and marketing market, too. It's it the it's it's the whole speculator crap. Like like this feeds into like what almost made the comic industry go away. You know, like it, I mean, look for all the stuff you were talking about, like like uh, well, Kyle Rayner's series ended on what one eighty one or something like that. I never looked at that as like wow, this is that's one hundred and eighty one issues of history. Like I like when. When it restarted, I didn't care that it wasn't issue 182. I, it's like, oh, it's number one. Okay, well, I was focused on the story. Like, I wasn't reading any of those books thinking about, like, like oh, my God, look, the, the legacy of this. The, the No, I was focused on the story and the characters. Like, I just... Oh, I absolutely know. was, like... Okay, me and I think I think you're definitely an anomaly as far as comic buying goes. Um, because with me, like when they closed off the Kyle Rayner series, it's like from from issue one to the final issue, it's like oh, wow. when did that that series started in like uh, 1990 or so? Uh, yeah, 1990, I think. So I mean, like. And then it went till 2003, 2004, roughly. Yeah. It's like an era. And when they close it off, it's like, you know, it's like you're sealing in this era of comics. And then when you start it up again, it's like, okay, well, you know, anything can happen. Maybe it's going to get tied to the old series. Maybe it's going to be completely fresh. You know, as it turns out, it was, you know, like it had... It respected the things that came before it, but it, 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 you know, it was completely, you know, workable on its own. Um, you know, like that's that's the thing. Like, number one issues should be accessible, and the reason for the whole speculator thing, you know, especially nowadays where you have image number one comics selling for you know however much money because all of a sudden you know nobody will buy the issue. And then all of a sudden it become insanely popular, you know. It's because the, the 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 comic retail side of it, you know, they've gotten you know they're burned by so many bad titles that they're so you know they're trigger shy, so they don't know you know whether or not they want to buy you know a lot of this comic or you know they don't know if their particular market is going to want it. And then you also have the concepts of, you know, capitalism, supply and demand, so that there's a number, tons of comic book fans that want these image titles because they didn't order enough, because they're short, you know, short ordered and everybody else wants them. It creates this mentality, well, wait a second, if everybody else wants them, then maybe I should be wanting them too. I mean, like, these are... These are not just comic concepts. These are concepts for, like, you know, 
almost everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that being tied to a number, though. I mean, like, do you honestly care that this that we just read Green Lantern number seven as opposed to Green Lantern number seventy four, which is where we would be at if the relaunch didn't change the numbering? Well, I mean, because this is a new universe, I kind of like the fact that it you know it started with number one, and that going forward, it's like, okay, well, from that number one to here, like, I know to expect certain changes and differences. I mean, like, it's a, it's a clear delineation point, and, you know, you, I guess, are lucky enough to not have that, um, I don't know, uh, that need for the delineation points. But I mean, you know, for for a lot of us, it's like you know to help to help categorize it in our heads, to help you know compartmentalize it and things like that. You know, it, it's it's a useful tool. This is so bizarre to me. So if we got the exact, if the last seven months of Green Lantern comics were exactly the same as what we got, only there was no New Fifty Two thing, they just decided, you know what, we're renumbering Green Lantern. And they just the last and like that would affect things for you. If if there was if they just decided you know what we're just going to renumber everything. There's no you know no reboot. Everything's the same. It's just that we're going to renumber everything for the hell of it. Yes. Then I would say, yeah. I mean, reading issue seven or seventy five would make no difference to me because there's you know there was no point in in the first place. You know, I could be reading that continued series, or I could be reading, you know, this, you know, the new numbering system. Doesn't that's almost like when uh, with Wonder Woman, with Wonder Woman, they, for you know, recently they said, okay, well, we're going to relaunch Wonder Woman. It's going from you know whatever it was issue three hundred, issue ninety eight, whatever. I have no idea what they were up to. But they said we're going to start start over at one, and they start over at one, and they hire Jody Picoult to uh, to write it, and it went it went horribly wrong, and like their you know their hope to you know draw lots of popularity back to Wonder Woman, it like utterly failed because that series had a lot of issues. Oh uh, yeah, that's the one that never came out, right? Yeah, well, eventually it came out, but oh yeah, eventually. Then. Um, I think it was uh, the super popular female writer. Um, Gail Simone? Gail Simone got on the book. And, you know, and like they started doing different things. And eventually, uh, I think, eventually even Nicholas Scott, you know, jumped on art. But, like, with that series, the numbering, it really didn't mean anything because they didn't really do much, you know, to actually say, okay, well, this is brand new Wonder Woman. It was just like, okay, let's, you know, try and start over with a new number one. You know, so it was meaningless. And then, you know, however many issues into the series, they said, okay, well, because of, you know, her her anniversary, if you add up all the Wonder Woman issues, then this issue would actually be number 700. 
the fans requested. Actually, and that's something that Dan DiDio wasn't even planning on doing. But the fans requested that they renumber it number 700 because, you know, they wanted her to have that honor of a 700 book or 600, whatever number it was. Yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, I mean, this was around the same time. It might actually have been like towards the end of uh, when Marvel was pulling this with every single series they could think of. It was. Where all, where all of a sudden, like, Amazing Spider-Man, Daredevil, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, all of them just jumped from whatever number they were at to, like, number six or 700. <laughs> with Captain America, actually, they went from, like, Captain America number, like, 50 or something to... They went from, like, a, an anniversary yeah, issue yeah, it was to 50. Captain America... The Captain America Reborn number one, and then I think they had another anniversary issue immediately after that. Yeah. God. So like I think like I think they would have done it for Wonder Woman anyway. No, no, because he, you know what you call it, uh, you know, Dan Didio, He it was actually I think in the back of one of the comics. You know, with a was a DC Time or whatever that column was that he had in the back of the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, he says he's like you know we we don't feel the need to do this but if we get enough requests we will renumber it and they were you know they were flooded with requests so they actually did do the renumbering yeah. but they weren't planning on it I don't know I think I think what it comes down to for me is like my whole thing with numbering is just that look it's it's very blatantly just an order keeping tool that just gets way over inflated and over abused so it's it's like if there's a if there's an alternative way to essentially perform the same function without half of the bullshit then you know what let's try that (laughs) but i mean what it comes down to is like between me with my you know wanting the numbers and you not wanting numbers what it comes down to is that we both want, you know, good comics. We both want yeah. good stories. <clears throat> so, I mean, you know, when you look at it from that perspective. Like, I, yeah, I never think of, like, Green Lantern 25 as Green Lantern 25. I think of it as, oh, the, the finale to the Sinestro Corps War. You know, the, it's always, it's story first. Right, but... You know, and then for me, it's like, well, you know, I think it's awesome that they, you know, had it coincide because it was a 25 issue. Yeah, but you know what? If that Star Sapphire story that came immediately beforehand had been one issue longer and we got the exact same story of the Sinestro Corps War, only that final issue was in 26, you would have loved it just as much. Listen, that's we both know that Star Sapphire story was long enough as it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> did not need to be an extra issue, especially mm-hmm. with the Daniel Acuna art. Yeah. Um, can we change the subject now? Yes. Hey, C2E2 happened. Oh, God. And Let's there go was... back to the numbering. Con- <laughs> <laughs> what, are you... Do you have something against C2E2 itself or just the lackluster Green Lantern-related news? <laughs> no. no, no. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's a fantastic convention. Uh, Edgar Rios, one of our listeners, um, he's been going. He went this year. Um, 
He got a couple yeah. of cool sketches, too. Can I tell you, like, it wasn't until, I think, last year's C2E2 that I even found out what C2E2 means, which, you know, talk, talk about marketing, I think that's a little hole in their marketing strategy, but um, it's, it's like the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, so there's two C's and two E's, <laughs> hence C2E2. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. I'm like, oh, it's a shame I didn't know that for a year. <laughs> anyway, but um, uh, yeah, no, I've I read the online transcript of the DC Nation panel, the whatever DC panel that had everybody in it. Okay. And it was kind of slim pickings. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, we already knew that after the Indigo Tribe arc that's going on right now, there's gonna be one called The Revenge of Black Hand, uh, which is going to culminate, speaking of Sinestro Corps War, it's going to culminate in a new Green Lantern annual, number one, by the way, drawn by Ethan Van Skyver, which will, you know, hey, you know what, the last time Van Skyver and Johns collaborated for a Green Lantern annual, it was fucking fantastic, so my hopes are high for this one. Um, uh, let's see... John's, <laughs> he made another vague promise about the Orange Lantern Oath because it wouldn't be a convention if he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, this one I'm going to chalk up to to not knowing how serious they were being because it's the internet and text, but someone mentioned the possibility of DC Collectibles doing a MoGo beach ball. <laughs> Yeah, you have any opinion on anything in there? Um, Would you buy a Mogo beach ball if you knew it was just a regular beach ball that had a stripe with a Green Lantern symbol in it? Hell yes. Of course I would. Alright. Oh my god, I'd, I'd actually use a beach ball then. You wouldn't, like, inflate it and hang it from the ceiling? Oh my god, that's an even better idea. Oh my, oh, and get, like... Get, like, a model spaceship and hang it from the ceiling, too, so it's, like, heading for Mogo. Oh, man. Dude, this is the best thing we could ever do. They should do that. They really should make a Mogo beach ball. That would be awesome. Make epic dioramas or something. Have them fight Galactus. Get, like, a toy Galactus. Oh, my God. I have, like, a collection of toy Galactuses. Why? (laughs) What? Really? Oh, yeah, (laughs) Absolutely. What's the biggest one? Uh, the biggest one... I only have the, uh... Like, um... You know the, the collecting connect size? Yes. Um, that, that's roughly, like, the largest size. I have, like, I think two other ones that are in similar size to that. But, uh... I think the biggest one that they make is the one from the Infinite Heroes line. Okay. Uh, cause that one's huge. Um, but I never, I never really invested in that one. They, and I, they need, there need to be bigger Galacti than that. Like, there has to be, like, a four foot tall Galactus out there somewhere. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything like that, but I have seen, like, the one that I have is probably, I don't know, I guess that's gotta be like a foot and a half. Do you remember at New York a couple years ago, they had that Gigundus anti-monitor? The, uh, oh, that was, oh, the, uh... It was like a hero click, yes. but it was the size of a person. Yeah. 
Yeah, they need a Galactus like that. I think... No, I don't, I don't know that they've ever made anything that large. But they, they might have. They might have. What I need to check now is... Every once in a while, Amazon used to have a sale on Galactus. It's a weird thing to have a sale on. Well, for the, the Infinite Heroes. Um, All right. And what always pissed me off was that I'd always miss the sale where they marked it down to, like, 20 bucks. How much is it usually? Uh... Typically, I think it was like seventy. Ugh. Maybe. Oh wait, no, that one was like closer to sixty. Oh. But even still, it's like you know. I hate toy prices more than I hate comic book numbering. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think right now it looks like it's like sixty-five from a reseller on Amazon. Uh-huh. But every once in a while, it would like go down to like you know twenty bucks. And I'd always miss it. And it's just like, oh, God. It's like, I wish I could get that one. But I have, I have like, the super Superhero Squad Galactus. Uh, <laughs> Is he all, like, baby faces yes, and yes. everything? <laughs> That's so adorable. Um, I have, uh, there was a, a Toy Biz figure from, like, years ago, the Silver Surfer line. So he's, like, a six-inch um, figure size Galactus. Uh, I have, like, two that are probably, like, a foot tall. One's, actually, they're both electronic. You press a button, and they, they talk and make noise and shit. Um, nice. Yeah, I always love my Galactus figures. And I since I don't really buy too many action figures anymore, like, I've cut back, like, you know, extremely. So I didn't go for the uh, the Infinite Hero version. You know, if I, if I saw it for 20 bucks, I would have gotten it. Because I, I would just, like, <laughs> I would set that up somehow on my yeah. desk at work. I don't know the, you know, the uh, the details, but I, w- I would set it up. <clears throat> you need to, like, they need to make a giant Galactus that's, like, four feet tall, and then you take it to work and you get it a desk. <laughs> yeah, give me, like, give me an eight-foot Galactus, and I'll just set it up <laughs> in a chair the empty desk next to mine. Put, like, a coffee mug in his one hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He'll be holding a mug. World's best world eater. Yeah. Uh, you, should, you should totally, like, 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 tape a walkie-talkie to his back and then just talk through him. <laughs> I hunger. <laughs> It's like, hello, Joe, welcome, I'm glad you could make our meeting. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, first topic of business. Who found me a planet to eat? And no moons! God. So what do you have to talk about? <laughs> that was my inflammatory list. <laughs> uh, I actually wanted to talk about Kickstarter. Oh? Yes. Because uh, we haven't talked about it in a, in a, a while. Uh, last time we talked about it was for Fracture yes. from uh, Action Lab. And they did well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's especially uh, you know a good time to talk about Kickstarter because our friends over at Action Lab they started off with Fracture um, with uh, with Kickstarter. Um, you know, Fracture came out. The, the whole series came out. They 
got the uh, the trade. Actually, I think the trade is coming out. Um, and they've since put out, you know, a number of other, you know, books and comics and things like that. And their one series, Princeless, actually got, what is it, one, two, something like that, Eisner's? Oh, okay. uh, nominations? Did it, did, yeah, it's, I want to say two or three, actually. Yeah, I, well, it, it did extremely well, so... Which, yeah, I immediately went on eBay to check and see if I could find any of those issues. Listen, I don't, I don't, I haven't used ECBS in a while. And, Charlatan. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the chances of me actually being able to get these comics, it's like I typically wait for a con where I see Sean. And yeah. since, uh, since that ain't happening this year. So I went to eBay, yeah, and there's there's not even like a number one to be found. Do they sell them on their website? I don't know. I, I think they're sold out. They might have. Uh, I want do they? They might have an indie planet thing going on. I'm not sure though. Um, but I mean, like, regardless, like you know, this is. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, it just got Eisner nominations. It's absolutely coming out in trade. Um, yes. And I will absolutely be buying it. I mean, it's probably better that I get it in trade because, you know, having a kid, this is going to be the kind of thing that I'm going to want to read. Yeah. So, so anyway, so yeah. So, Action Lab, they're doing uh, two two Eisner nominations. Um, they're, they're doing extremely well over there. So... I, you know, I've been, you know, checking out Kickstarter, and actually, um, thanks to CGS, they uh, were talking about uh, all new issues. Um, it's a webcomic. Um, it's actually uh, created by two of the um, people from Wild Pig. Yes. Uh, Bill Ellis and Danny... O'Brien. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so they're talking about this, this you know, this webcomic, and, uh, like, you know, I'm like, oh, I've, I've never heard of this, but, you know, if CGS is talking about it, I'll, I'll check it out. Um, you know, they don't steer me wrong too often. So, uh, like, I, I go, I, I actually, you know, I'm checking it out, and actually the thing that, that also got me to check it out was the name Bill Ellis. Um what? Yeah, like, like, what? Why do I remember that name? It sounds so familiar. And I'm like, wait a second. I think last year he was posting like a couple of like you know commissions that he had done, like right around Super Show time. And there was one in particular that caught my eye, and and I remember what it was. It was uh, he did this this sketch of, or it was more like a commi- uh, like a full on commission of Delirium from the Endless. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Captain America peeing off the roof. Oh, no. This, but this delirium was so beautiful, and, like, the colors on it were gorgeous. I mean, it was amazing. Like, it's like delirium, and she's surrounded by, like, fish and birds, and, I don't know, all sorts of, like, crazy, like, you know, colors circulating around her. It was, it was amazing. Um, and I, I did, just ran out of money last year to actually be able to afford uh, a commission. But 
Apparently, <laughs> uh, last year also, I liked the Facebook page of this webcomic, and then oh, never <laughs> checked it since. But uh, because of the, the Kickstarter, I, I checked out the comic. I checked out the comic, like, just before last weekend, and, like, we're talking about, like, starting on Friday, and, like, by Saturday, I was, like, halfway through every comic they've created, and they've been doing it for, like, a couple of years now. So, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm, uh, back in that project. Hmm. Nice. So, they were... Can I tell, can I tell you, her last name's O'Brien, Okay. right? I went to college with a guy named Dan O'Brien, so that was weird to find out just now. <laughs> I would say maybe it's her brother, but that would be retarded of the parents. That would. <laughs> Dan and maybe Danny. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the the hysterical thing about this webcomic, which, by the way, I mean, like, you'll still be able to buy the, the book down the road once they start selling it. Um, and until then, you can just go to allnewissuescomic.com, I believe the website is. Mm-hmm. Um, the names of the characters, and I keep, I always forget the name, but the first one is Robin. And then the other two guys are the names of the, the Robin that died. Oh, Jason? Yeah, Jason and Todd. <laughs> the three characters are Jason, Todd, and Robin. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um... I imagine they'll have some of these, some of those volumes at Wild Pig, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, if you backed it, they're gonna have the issues for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, even still, like, like, just as because they always, like, Bill Ellis always has a table there set up where he sells, like, stuff. So, I would assume he would have copies just for sale. I will be picking up my copy. Yes, you're still on track to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's... Now it's definitely <laughs> going to happen. Oh, yeah? Yes. Cool. I am days away from getting that week's schedule to confirm that I am not on it. Yes. And then that's basically the last step, other than possibly yelling at my boss for not giving me the week off. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. this is... This episode should pro- be going up, like, days before Wild Pig happens, right? Uh... I would say so. All right, so is there anything we want to tell people about Wild Pig since this is the last chance before we talk about it posthumously? Actually, uh, I think there will potentially be another episode that comes out maybe before or during Wild Pig. So this episode should come out, like, the weekend before Wild Pig. Okay. Um but I mean, regardless, we could we could talk about Wild Pig. I mean, the amount of back issues that they keep talking about on CGS. Yeah. Oh God. Well, have you seen the raffles? Like the stuff they have for the raffle? I've I've heard them talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that part of their website right now. They've got I'm just just quickly they've got Absolute All Star Superman, uh, the Hawkman by Jeff Johns Omnibus. Jack Kirby's Fourth Fourth World Omnibus Volume 1, Avengers Volume 1 Omnibus, this is the original Avengers stuff, like Absolute V for Vendetta, uh, Fantastic Four by John Byrne Omnibus, X-Men Age of Apocalypse Omnibus, Crisis on Infinite Earth Absolute Edition, uh, The Bone All-in-One Softcover, 
Captain America by Brubaker, Volume 1 Omnibus, Criminal Deluxe Hardcover, DC New Frontier Absolute, Kingdom Come Absolute, Thor by Walt Simonson Omnibus, New Teen Titans Volume 1 Omnibus. Uh, there's like 18 different Omnibus, more <laughs> Omnibus and hard uh, Absolutes in here. They got like maquettes and statues. Uh, they got like an entire like a complete set of all the New 52 number ones. They've got the the John Romita Amazing Spider-Man Artist Edition, which is they basically they scanned in the penciled pages at actual size, so it's going to be like an 11 by 17 black and white <laughs> Spider-Man comic by John Romita. Oh my god! And, um. And they just added All-Star Comics number 28 in 6.0 fine condition, which is Overstreet valued at $378. Yeah. You got the, the original JSA on there. All of these are like... Well, like most of these are like the free raffle or like a dollar mm-hmm. per ticket or something. Yeah. So like you you walk in the door, you have a chance of taking home one of these things. Yeah, well, the and the bonus, the bonus raffle stuff, though. I mean, like, oh, that's for Sunday. I yeah, think, that's right? Sunday at three, and mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely not going to be there at that time. But I'm just like looking at this stuff, and like, Hawkeye is not even remotely close to one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. But this Hawkeye statue is just like so cool looking. <laughs> yeah, and look at that Thor. I mean, Jesus Christ. The Thors are, but I mean, like, oh, God, if, if any of them, <laughs> if I'm going to get any of them, like, the all-star comics that is the first appearance of the Justice Society of America. Just in time to see their new first appearance. I mean, like, it, it's like, you see something like that, that's, that's, that's somewhat breathtaking. Because that's like, <laughs> that's such history right there. Yeah. Oh, and there's also the uh, Journey into Mystery issue. That was a, uh, it was the Thor story. That was the first appearance of Loki and Odin. Yeah, it's not up, not really up there with the first appearance of the JSA, but you know, it's it's worth more somehow. <laughs> but I, I mean, like that's yeah, that's amazing. Also, it's just well, the the movie, the cup, the Thor movie and the Avengers movie probably inflated that one's price. I mean, God, God, the stuff yeah. that they have. All of those things we won't be eligible for because that's on Sunday. Yeah. But, <laughs> but everything else on Saturday, I mean, like the Rocketeer Deluxe Edition hardcover. Oh, God, I hope that's Saturday. No, that, yeah, I think that's the um, the free raffle item. So those should be the two Saturday raffles. Oh, man. Yeah, they're doing, when are they doing these? There's, <clears throat> uh... On Saturday, there's a raffle at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m., and then Sunday on 1 p.m. And the su- the Sunday one is the bonus raffle stuff, I think. Uh, guest list? You want to run down the guest list? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you got... You want me to run down the guest list? <laughs> you got, uh... <clears throat> wow, that's a, that's a long list. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go down this list in, in a special way. Um, oh, by picking and choosing randomly? <laughs> no, no, by going exactly in order. Oh my god, oh my god. Can you do it in the style of 
like one of the Animaniacs singing about the countries. <laughs> it's Argo Comics, Paul Bendick. No, I can't do Oh, you failed. You, had, <laughs> you did one. Yeah, no. Paul Benincasa, Riley Brown, Rich Bernatovich. There's no way I would be able to do this in a song. I, I can barely say this as it is. Someone out there can do it. You know. I'm sure you they know. could. Uh, Jim Calafiore. He's a Sunday only. Oh. We'll miss him. Uh, Fred Chow, who uh, I think in this month's previews, he has uh, the, the the book that he, he puts out, Johnny oh. Hero. Oh, okay. Look, that was the worst description you possibly could have, you know, he has in previews, well, that book he puts out. Well, if you've ever seen him at a con, like, you know that, you know, Johnny Hero is his thing. Uh, but he's putting out the trade of that. Um, I Lauren actually picked up one issue kind of at random uh, at Super Show because he was doing sketches. Like he, he'd give you a sketch if you bought the issue. Nice. So she bought issue, I guess, number two or one or three, whatever. I have no idea which one it was. And she got like this awesome bunny sketch. It was like it's like the giant head of a bunny, and he's got like the body of a man, and it's like really? awesome and cool looking at the same time. That sounds very murderous. No, it's adorable. It's really cool. Um, he did a great job. <laughs> uh, you got Amy Chase. You have uh, somebody that we know and love very much, Andrew Charapar. Well, I believe Jason keeps on retainer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's sad that Jason won't be coming this time around. Maybe he doesn't know, and that's why he agreed to do the show. He's like, oh, whatever, Jason will be there. He'll pay my way back. Yeah. Uh, Peter David, the yep. uh, world-renowned writer. Yeah, that one I was surprised at, because that's, I mean, freaking Peter David, Jesus. He uh, he actually goes to the Icon convention out by me, um, I think almost every year. What is that? I don't know what that is. Icon is more of a sci-fi thing, but they have a small comics contingent. Oh, okay, you've talked about that. Yeah, before. sci-fi fantasy. Um, yeah. Well, it probably doesn't hurt that J.K. Woodward is going to this, and yeah. he's been his fallen angel partner for a long time. Um, the guys from Dutchy Digest, which I'm actually going to check out this time. <laughs> After circling their table at, like, ten other shows, you're like, all right, Basically, I'm ready for this. Well, you know what it is? It's just, like, they they actually get all dressed up in, you know... Yeah, it's like Amish comics. Yeah. And they get dressed up in Amish Amish garb. Yeah, I think they had pie last time. <laughs> They're like sitting there dressed like Amish people, offering people pie. It's like, why not? Why not? So, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check check some of those out this year. Some guy named Bill Ellis, who you know, who's what's that about? Yeah, we already talked about him. Uh, the Fangirls, um, Jamie Faye, Chandra Free. I, you know, I keep hearing this name, and I know the name, but I don't know, I don't know what to associate it with. Chandra Free? Yeah. Oh, oh my see. God. I don't, I don't really know. God, this is gorgeous. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> check out Chandra Free's art. <laughs> God, oh, my God. Looking at this Supergirl, like, it looks like a painting. It's amazing. Is it a painting? It looks like a painting. It could be a painting. You seem to have passed over that possibility very quickly. 
Uh, anyway, um, back to the list. Maybe, maybe she paints. You don't know. Uh, Drew Gaska. There's Geek Boy Press. Dawn Griffin. James Hatton from In His Likeness. Jamie Hatton. He's cool. Yeah, you know that guy. Yeah, I've talked to him at like every convention for the last three years. He's he's good people. Um. Yeah. Um. He's cool. Erica Hesse. The amazing Erica Hesse. I'm, I own more than one Erica Hesse commission, too. I have, yeah, I have quite a few. Um, Mark Mariano is a Sunday only. Uh, we'll, we'll miss him. Who is Mark Mariano? I don't know. Let's ask him about the show. Oh, uh, we can't. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. It's uh, uh, no. cartoony. Um, Ooh, I like cartoony. I don't know. Looks good. Aw, that does look good. Now I'm going to regret not being there. Yeah, you should. Uh, Sean Martin Bar- Martinbrow? What, what? Sean <laughs> Martinbrow. You, I, I love, his last name is Martinbrow, and you mispronounce Sean. <laughs> what is that? What? You were like, Sean. 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 <laughs> uh, you got to watch out for the short. Wow. I'm looking at his art now. <laughs> Don't try and make up for it. Huh? Okay. Well, his web... Oh, he's... Wow. He's the artist on Thief of Thieves? I've heard the name. I've never seen what it looks like. Thief of Thieves is the, you know, the latest comic book from uh, Robert Kirkman that uh, is going to be turned into another AMC TV show. I heard about that. I never saw the comic before. Yeah, it sold out in about, like, 30 seconds. Oh, it took 30. <sighs> losing his touch. Uh, so then we got Don McGregor, Nick McCoviak, Joe Mulvey, Alex Robinson is a Saturday Ooh. only. Oh, uh, good. Did you read uh, Too Cool to Be Forgotten ever? Uh, no. You should. I think I got it from Wild Pig. So it'll probably be there. You should read well, it. Well, no, I mean, I know of it. Um, I, I actually have seen it a number of times on, uh, what is that? The ones that produce that book. Uh, what? Top, top Shelf? <laughs> yes. Top Shelf produces it. Your descriptors aren't very good this time around. <laughs> oh. You know, that, that publisher that made that book that was in previews by that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rudy Nebris. Um, says that he is a Bronze Age legend. Rudy's gorgeous pencil and ink work can be found in many of the seminal titles of the 1970s, such as <laughs> Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Doctor Strange, Conan the Barbarian, The Savage Sword of Conan, and Vampirella. Now this next one, Matthew Petz. Mm-hmm. He is a forum member of at least the comicforums.com. He, uh, he's Coma Robot. Oh, he's he's the guy who who uh, remember when I, like I posted all my sketches. He was the one that drew um, Greet, the the cook who was eating the Tomar chicken leg. Hmm. He was very like like kind of gritty, messy looking characters really well. This is really good stuff. Huh. The... Oh, okay. Here we go. Checking out some sketches. Yeah, I think he did a comic called Tyrannosaurus Beth at one point. Yeah, he definitely has the the gritty look. 
Yeah, I think he was a he had a Zuda book too. I think I forgot what it was called. Oh, the one uh, the one with the animals dealing with an alien invasion. I think uh, is it War of the Woods? Yes, yes, I, I think that was him. I think I think I like his pencils more than I like his inked work. Yeah, because his I think his pencils are a little bit more scratchier. Continuing on. Uh, Mich- There's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, really. Michelle Shuto. Uh, Don't know who she is, but she'll be there Saturday, so we will see her. Oh, wow. Uh, it's also cartoony. Yay. It's cute. Oh. I like it. We got Tom Smith. That sounds like a fake name. It does. Uh. <laughs> He's, uh, oh, one of the top colorists in the industry. Uh, he's worked on uh, the JLA Avengers crossover. Chris Sotomayor, uh, another colorist. Uh, I'm going to jump over this one to the very end. Uh, okay. Bobby and Peter Timoney from Twin Comics. Do you think they're twins? I hope so. They better. We should ask them about that. That'd be... And none of this crap about, oh yeah, fraternal twins. No, you look the same or you don't name your company that. This is bizarre. The art looks good. This story, there's like a flying monkey in this story. I like it. Like flying with wings or flying like Superman? Oh no, it's, uh, it's... Oh, well, it looks like a monkey that's got wings. It might not be a monkey. It might be like a demon. I have no oh, that, okay. that changes my question drastically. Flying with wings or flying like Superman? <laughs> with wings, obviously. Oh, obviously. Okay. okay. Then you got Lee Weeks, uh, J.K. Woodward. Now, J.K. Woodward. I got, I got something from him at last Super Show, and. I'm pretty sure that it's my favorite piece of art that I've ever received, ever. Was, I'm trying to remember, did he do, like, like, wasn't it like Black Lantern Sleeping Beauty or something? Black Lantern Snow White. Oh, that was the second guess I had. It's because Snow White died and came back to life. Yeah, she was asleep. She was a zombie. Whatever. Yeah, but J.K. Woodward is awesome. I got Rage Kitty from him. He does great work. He's also about to become very famous to everyone because he's doing the covers and interiors to the eight-issue IDW Star Trek Next Generation crossover with Doctor Who. (laughs) Which, actually, the first issue comes out like a week after Wild Pig or something. We'll probably be able to look through some of the uh, original art. Oh yes, and actually, speaking of the original art, I, I think you heard the episode of CGS where they were doing like the uh, early ticket raffle yes. thing. Yes, yes, I heard they, that. Yeah, they gave away a page from the crossover. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know. CGS said it, and I will absolutely echo it. If you can get art from J.K. Woodward, please, by all means, do. Because, yeah. oh my god, my, my Black Lantern Snow White, it's 
it's so amazing because like when you like just looking at it, if you had no idea what Snow White or a Black Lantern was, like it's gorgeous from that perspective. But if you just know who Snow White is, you will instantly recognize the fact that it is Snow White, and you know you can appreciate appreciate it from that. The Black Lantern symbol, you know, like again, you'll only appreciate that if you're a Lantern fan. But it doesn't take away from the beauty, you know, of Snow White. It's like it doesn't get in the way. It's amazing how he did that. Yeah, he does. He does. I think he worked predominantly in watercolors. He does amazing work with ink wash. Uh, it's it's got a very very classic feel to everything he does, and at the same time, it's it doesn't fall into any of the traps that photorealistic work usually does. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Are you getting that Star Trek Doctor Who crossover? Probably not, because I, I'm, like, stuck, like, you know, seasons back on Doctor Who. Yeah, so. I guess. <clears throat> I don't expect this to have to... Well, I guess it would help if you knew if you had seen the Matt Smith Doctor yeah. with Amy and Rory before, but right. I, I don't think you need to be, like, completely up to date or anything. I mean, like, I'll, you know, I'll definitely be checking out the series, you know, at the shop just to see the art, but... I can't wait. So, and then the <laughs> final name on this list... Um, the name that has no annotation or website or any comment whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, you want to know why? Why? Because it doesn't need that. Oh. Okay. The last name is Joe Staten. Joe Staten, who's that? I'm glad you asked. Joe Staten has done so much Green Lantern work in the past. Um, let's see. He, he did. I think he drew Millennium. He did, he, you know, your, your your favorite. Yeah. The story where John Stewart blew up Zanchi. <laughs> and I, I, like I said, I definitely want to get to Millennium. Um, <laughs> he drew Millennium. He he did a, a, a bunch of the uh, Guy Gardner series. He did a bunch of Green Lantern um, before the 90s reboot. Yeah, he did that whole era where it became Green Lantern Corps and they set up that embassy on Earth. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to say he did the entire Guy Gardner series up until it got renamed Guy Gardner Warrior. I think... <laughs> I, well, no, at least most of it. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of issues, at least a couple of issues that he did not draw. Uh, and he also did the uh, the flashback issue. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> yeah, the the John Stewart one, right? Uh, you want to say yes? Yeah, I think it was him. That sounds about right. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if it was just, if it was the oh, hell. I can't remember that. Well, you can ask him on Saturday. <laughs> I am sure that I will find out before that. Yes, and hey, I'm bringing a recorder along, so if you wanna, you can talk to him. Well, I'm definitely going to talk to him. Whether or not it's going to be worth recording is a completely different story. When do we ever do anything worth recording? It <laughs> doesn't stop us. Fair Our enough. bar is exceptionally low. Yeah, fair enough. So, getting back to Kickstarter... Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so now, actually, as as we record this, there's 22 minutes to go and uh, on uh, all new issues. 
I, I think we're telling them too late. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this will be completely closed by the time they actually hear this episode. Although I do think it's worth uh, worth mentioning that, like, I've had this page up for, like, the past hour. <laughs> and when I got to the page, they were at, like, $8,004, and now they're at, like, 8111 What was their goal? 4000 So They bypassed they're okay. it. Like, they're more than doubled it. Wow. Yeah. And it's 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 absolutely worth it. This comic is fantastic. Um, I don't read a lot of web comics, but this is definitely getting added to the mix. Nice. So I also wanted to point out some of the other cool Kickstarter ideas. Um, yeah, just keep, other things you saw on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, or? yeah. This you know every once in a while I like to look around. Um, there's oh God, completely lost. Nice. going to talk about uh, there's this one one uh, illustrator um, his name is Michael Murdoch he's got a book that he wants to produce called Machination um, and I mean like honestly I don't necessarily think that this Kickstarter is going to make it because he has 31 days to go and a $15,000 goal, and he's only gotten $786 so far. Oh, uh, that's not a good sign. How, how long does Kickstarter give you overall? Think, or can you change it? Uh, actually... Like, if this has been going for over a month, then he's, he's probably screwed. I think you have close to two months. I've seen a bunch where like they actually start like 50-something days or so. <clears throat> so it's probably close to two months. So, I mean, this guy's already gone through a month, and he's only gotten... He's gotten 30 backers, but, you know, he's only been backed by $786. Now, the, the reason that I want to point this out, though, is because, you know, go to kickstarter.com, type in Machination, that's M-A-C-H-I-N-A-T-I-O-N, and, you know, you look for the comic book. Um, what do you call it? The... It's, it's like this picture of this giant round, like, circle. And actually, I'm going to send the link to you. Uh, I know what a round circle looks like. Yeah, well, I know. Make it slightly easier for you. you. Okay. Oh, yeah, there's that thing. Okay. So, if you scroll down, though, he's got, like, a sample story that he wants to put in the book called King of Carrot Flowers. The King of Carrot Flowers. Whatever. <laughs> so, you know, you scroll down, and there's no words. It's just, you know, it, it's telling the story just with images. And, like, just, like, you know, scrolling down reading this, it's such a good story. I mean, the art is cool. It's, you know, it's an interesting style. I mean, I like it. Um, it's not amazing. It's, I don't think it would work for, you know, all comics and stuff like that. But for the story, it works. works really well. And the story, it's like this, you know... It's a short story. You read right through it, and it's it's just amazing. It's just a fantastic story. So even if this Kickstarter doesn't go through, um, and, you know, as it gets closer, like I have this one uh, set to a reminder. So, you know, if, if he's getting anywhere near close to his goal, um, then I'm definitely at least in for $5. Um, $5 gets you a PDF copy. Oh, I just finished it. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, $20 gets you a, a physical copy of the book. Um, I don't know if he's going to do this in a hardcover or not, but, uh, I mean, like, whether or not this makes it, just go to this website and read this story, because it's such a good story. So that was, uh, that was another one that I saw. Um, the, oh, oh my god. The most funded thing on Kickstarter ever. <laughs> is is occurring as we speak. But it's a watch. Really? Yes. This I've seen watches before. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So picture this. The this watch is called the Pebble. It's an e-paper watch for your iPhone or your Android phone. What does that mean? I will tell you in a moment. The uh, people over at Pebble, they designed this watch using e-paper, which is the same kind of uh, technology that your Kindle works on, uh, the older Kindles, you know, the black and white. Okay. So that there's no glare in the sun. It requires incredibly little amounts of power, and you can display basically anything you want, you know, on this black and white image. They hooked this up to Bluetooth, and, you know, it's got three buttons on the side. Nice, you know, simple band. And... There's an app that they freely distribute, which, when paired up to your watch, you know, you, you, pair, you download the app onto your phone. When you pair it up to your watch, your watch can control things on your phone, and your phone can send messages to the watch. So, basically, if you text me, I can, like, look at my watch and, like, read the thing. Correct. Okay. Also, you can use the watch to, like, if you're listening to music on your, your phone, you know, like, say you have your phone in your pocket. Well, instead of having to take your phone out of your pocket, which, especially, like, if you're, like, you know, walking through the neighborhood, you don't want somebody to see that you have the, your phone, you know, the phone, you just go to your watch and, you know, you scroll through the tracks, you know, through, through your watch. Um, one of the other cool things is that because it's, the e-paper, you can actually customize the display, you know, how it actually, you know, the time is actually displayed on your watch. So you could have it military time. You could have it say the, the you know, like the actual words of the numbers, you know, like the letters, you know, for 1235. Hmm. Um, you could have it look analog, and there's like numerous styles, you know, based on those options also. This is basically every watch that cool TV characters have ever had growing up. Um, I will say something like that. Oh. I mean, because it, it doesn't—it's uh, <laughs> not in color yet, <laughs> and you can't oh. you can't watch TV on it. Oh. if you could like, if like your phones, if like you have an iPhone and you could like FaceTime through your watch, that would be amazing. <laughs> well. In any case, so you basically, so you have this amazing concept for a watch. Everybody, you know, is, you know, thinking, oh, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, how the hell much does he need for this? Well, for this watch... Infinity billion dollars! No. Oh, and by the way, uh, the cost of getting a watch, if you pledge $115, you get a watch. So for to have a watch that controls your phone and can receive messages and vibrate and let you know things and is also waterproof... And can, you can customize the, the face of it, you know, just by selecting something on an app. 
and can hold the charge for up to a week, and then you just plug it into your computer, recharge it for a little while, and it's good to go for another week. $115. Well, in order to buy the parts, buy enough parts so that it would be cheap enough to, you know, make it feasible to make this watch, and also to buy, like, a Bluetooth license so they can sell the watch, you know, around the world, they needed $100,000. Oh, God. $100,000. Dan, let me tell you, in an hour, they had made a million dollars. I was going to say a million thousand? (laughs) So, now, you know, here it is, uh, I guess they've gone through, I don't know, a week or two. Uh, they're already up to almost five and a half million dollars. There are almost thirty-seven thousand people backing this this Kickstarter. It's the most funded project ever. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. How much time does it have? Left? Oh, it still has a month to go. Oh well, they'll be fine. Yeah. So and then, <laughs> like they because they keep on getting more and more money, it's like. <laughs> They're 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 trying to work on additional things, you know, that they can, you know, give back. So like they've, uh, you know, created some software so that you can, you know, create your own, you know, apps and stuff like that <laughs> to work with the program. It's amazing. So yeah, as that so, gets closer, I'm probably going to be backing that myself. God. I think I will be completely satisfied with its success and give them give my money to say Action Labs next thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Jesus. Okay. Now. Uh, okay. So so those are so so those, so those are some of the the highlights. Um, then you have other things which you, you know. I mean, I guess it's cool that Kickstarter lets these people on. <laughs> by the same token, like for some reason, I said I uh, I was scrolling through and I just saw something random, and apparently this this one guy is sell he's got a Kickstarter for personal holograms in full color 3D, like huh? <laughs> yeah, like everybody that does a Kickstarter they have a video that they record also. Is he, like, inventing them? What, what yeah, the hell he, he invented a new way to create holograms. It's um, like saying I invented a new way to see. Not really. Whatever, what's he doing? But the guy is obsessed with holograms. Like, he's completely obsessed. He thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. The only problem is, like, if you you have to pledge at least $50 to get a hologram from this guy. Because like, one of his biggest you know, selling points is that they have hologram kits out there, but they're very expensive. But honestly, like they have a hologram kit out there for $100 that has everything in it that you need to create a couple of holograms. All right, now just to clarify here, when you say hologram, what are you talking about? I'm talking about an actual hologram. Like, you remember the, the old card series? Like, the thing where, like, if you, if you like, turn the thing slightly left to right, it looks like somebody's dancing or whatever? Um, 
it's the kind of thing where it's like like shiny metallic, and depending on like what angle you turn it, you can see behind the character. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because from because we we come off talking about like super spy watches, and then you got this guy who's obsessed with holograms. It's like okay, is he making like like the freaking Princess Leia Stark Wars thing happen, no. or like what is he what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, no, nothing that cool. <laughs> this is just a simple little hologram on glass. No dancing baby that's going to generate out of my desktop? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, listen, if he was doing that, he would absolutely be making his... Uh... He would pass the watch guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so if you pledge $50, you get a 2 by 3, 2 inch by 3 inch size hologram of a, you know, a girl blowing a kiss. So you don't even get, like, a, a, a personalized hologram. Like, what happens if I hate that? Exactly. <laughs> what happens if I hate girls blowing kisses or, I don't know, whatever? <laughs> like, you have to spend $175 in order to actually get a personalized color hologram. So, like, this guy, like, he has absolutely no idea, like, the value that people actually put on holograms. So this guy, he his goal is two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. So far, he's got pledged two thousand, and he has seven days left. Think he'll make it? No. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty much positive that he won't make it. Isn't it just possible that he's just way ahead of the curve? Actually, I think he's just <laughs> way behind the curve, and he doesn't realize. So, there's that, and there's there's one more Kickstarter that I wanted to mention. Is it awful? Well, in a way, I think it is, oh. but I'll explain why. Um, and I just want to also point out that if you are on Kickstarter and you back something, you don't pay unless it makes the goal. Yeah, they all, the person you back doesn't get anything. They don't get one cent right. unless they hit their target. So I, I just think that's a important point to make. Um, yes. Oh, and by the way, there's other there's like the amount of things that you can actually go on Kickstarter for is like staggering. Like one one company uh, called Snapstagram um, is working on like for five dollars you or five or ten dollars you get a code. You know, you back them and you get a code to print out, like, you know, a couple of your Instagram pictures. Um, oh. It's kind of neat, you know? It's it's cheap enough and they're completely funded already. So mm. if you want, if you have Instagram pictures that you think you're going to want to print, um, you should go for that. Can you not print Instagram pictures otherwise? Um, I mean, I guess you could, but they have special printers. Instagram pictures are squares. Oh, okay. So, uh, they, there's another thing called the power pot, which is a heating pot. It's, yeah, it's a pot like that you cook things in, <laughs> and the heat generates electricity. So while you're cooking, you can also charge a phone. This is good for when you're like camping or something like that. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. I know they have like they have solar chargers for. For phones, where it's like a solar panel with a USB port in it, basically. Right. But this is a cool idea, too. Um, 
And then there's another thing called the sound laser, which uh, it's that one's kind of expensive in order to actually get a working model. It sounds like it should be. <laughs> it's a little tiny device where you know the sound. You know, you have it hooked up to something. It converts the sound to, I don't know, light or just super focused sound. Now, it must be like a focused beam of sound. So that, like, if you plug this thing into the television and you have this thing aimed directly at your head, then you're the only one that's going to hear it. First of all, aiming any kind of laser at your head is a ridiculous idea. Well, it's sound. You know, it's... it's oh, yeah, no, that's focused better. Focused sound. Uh-huh. So, like... This is a supervillain origin waiting to happen. So you could be walking around a room and hear nothing. But then as soon as you walk into the path of this thing called the sound laser, you'll hear it as if it's like loud as day in, you know, inside your head. You know what you would need to counteract this? A tinfoil hat? No, that silence gun that we talked about <laughs> a month ago. Well, I don't think it would work exactly with the sound laser, because it's not a person, so... <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, so those those are some of the things that, you know, are also going on. But, uh, yes, the, one, the last one that I wanted to talk about was from Tyler Kirkham. Oh, we know him. Yes. Well, well not personal. No, of him. The Monarchy. The what? It's a graphic novel... Uh, called The Monarchy. Um, it's uh, Tyler Kirkham. He's teamed up with Mandy McCurry and uh, M. Oracle. Um, it, like, let's see. I'm not really, I, I, I haven't really read too much into it. Like, you know, I see Tyler Kirkham's name and I just go to look for the art. Um, are you looking at this now? Uh, did you... Hold on. And check now. I just sent the link. If you look at it, it looks exactly like, like a video game. That's Yes, it does. Yeah, it's it looks exactly <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, Call of Duty or any of the other modern, like, you know, video games that you play on PlayStation 3 or uh, the Xbox 360, I guess. Yeah. Did he... Draw it? What did he do? Yeah, he drew it. You know, he did the pencils for this stuff. And then I guess he has a friend that's a colorist that rendered it. Um, I I think that's how this worked. Now, I mean, like, you know, if Tyler Kirkham is involved with it, then I am sure that, you know, I'm sure that our fans would be interested in going and checking this out. And I'm sure a number of them would, you know, really be into this. Uh, there's 54 days to go. The goal is 20 grand. They're already up to 1410. Um, I have a feeling that this is going to do fairly well, especially because it's got Tyler Kirkham's name attached to it, and it's a graphic novel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what is it? Uh, yeah, for 30 dollars, you get an actual, you know, copy of the book. And I think it's around 150 pages. Oh. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a good price for what this is. <clears throat> now, honestly, though, for me personally, I what? hate the very concept of this. <laughs> what? 
What? What part? Why? What? <laughs> I thought you loved this. Why. <laughs> He's like your best friend. What happened? If you go, if you go to the updates section. Okay. Where is it? Updates. It's right at the top. Updates. Okay. Yes. Um, and it has uh, early concepts. Yes. You can see, like, first off, there's a page of uh, you know Tyler's you know sketches or whatever. Yeah, and then the finished product. And then the product. finished product right underneath. And then, again, like, underneath that is, like, more of Tyler's, you know, pencils. Mm-hmm. Tyler Kirkham's pencils are, like, they're gorgeous. I mean, like, I, I love Tyler Kirkham's pencils. It's, to me, it's like a crime to cover this up with rendered art. That depends. I mean, though. that's I mean, that's entirely my perspective. Yeah, I mean, like, I I wouldn't go for the the computerized version of it either. But like, if it's like if their goal was to basically make like a co- like a video game esque comic, I kind of prefer they do this as opposed to just do a regular comic art. That's supposed to somehow be video game ish because I mean that works sometimes, but a lot of the times it doesn't, you know. Yeah, well, I know, I and I I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, I'm sure that they, that's what they were going for. They were going for the look of a video game. Um, it's probably you know more so along the lines of some of the more recent Image comics. Mm-hmm. Um, not not Image Top Cow. If you've ever flipped through them, they, they do something yeah. similar. Um, and I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's fine. Like, it, it's not something that I'm especially into, you know, the fully rendered look like that. But it's just like, for me personally, it's like, Tyler Kirkham is like, like the, the pencils that he's been putting out, especially that you can see here, you know, and then you look at Green Lantern, and if you go to his website... Like, you can see his pencils. His pencils are so beautiful. It's just like, to cover them up like this, it's just like, oh, God. It's like if there was a $35 option where you could just, you know, give me, like, an artist edition of this book, they would have me sold so fast. So Mm. fast. Yeah. Kind of wish they would do artist editions or some equivalent to DC. Yeah probably only a matter of time because like a bunch of publishers have jumped on that boat in the last like two months does it cost how much more does it cost for an artist edition oh it's a good chunk i think let me look let me look this up because it's i think it's it's like in the hundred dollar range at least i'm trying to find because i saw there was one how much Um, how many issues do they put into it i'm not sure so it's not like they just produce like an artist edition of one comic. It might be. I'm not sure. I'm looking for that now. Because if that's a hundred dollars, that's ridiculous. <clears throat> Especially considering that it was only a few years ago that they put out those oversized, you know, uh, original, you know. Alex Ross painted 
books. They did one with, uh, I think, one or two <laughs> with Superman, one with Wonder Woman. Oh, the... <clears throat> oh, that was a while back. Yeah, but... That was, um... That was, like, it was less than $25 for that. For each one. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I've already lost interest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, whatever. <clears throat> okay, okay. Well, I found one. IDW is doing one of Gru the Wanderer. Uh, it is, let's see, how many issues does it say? Well, it's 144 pages. It is 12 by 17 and is cover price of $100. Which means if you go through DCBS, it would be lower than that. But. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. Thank yes. you for that. Lower than that. I'm going to go to DCBS now to see if it is previewed. Yet, or pre-orderable yet? Oh yeah, it is. Oh, oh, oh that's a shame. Uh, Ninety-three seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a considerably bad discount for them, but whatever. We'll give we'll give them this one. Yeah, but like, let's say that DC started doing this. What would you want to see them do? Oh my god. Like, what would actually... Keep in mind, it would have to be black and white. Um, like, what... And, like, let's let's assume that it, you would have to pay it somewhere in the $100 range for it. Like, what could they do that would make you... Just based on the content alone, what would they have to publish as an artist edition to make you have want to get it? Um... <clears throat> I don't know. I, I can't even think right now. Yeah, I don't know either. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's a lot of money, so. Yeah. <clears throat> I would wonder if it would... I think these are best suited as being old stuff, too, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, if they did... I don't know. Like, if, if they did, like, some Alan Scott stuff or something, maybe. But then I don't know how that... How a lot of that work would look at full-sized, if they even had access to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's too much to uh, speculate. <clears throat> oh, that, imagine if they did, like, at least a chunk of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, God, no, I can't even imagine that. Imagine it! No. Do it! Do it now! Oh, man. <clears throat> Okay, so I have two other quick things to announce before we go. Okay. Um, first off, I have a brand new website. Um, you do personally? Yes, right. me personally. Uh, for my customs and stuff. Okay. So it's not actually... Um, <laughs> it's not 100% finished yet, but I think by the time this episode goes up, it should be. Cool. So that is ChoanataCustoms.com. Choanata, what's that mean? You'll never know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's coming along. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention was this song by Rob Cantor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to throw it up for James to, to try and throw in at the end. But it's called Shia LaBeouf. 
Uh, I was alerted to this by one of our listeners, Mark Sampson. Um, yeah, last night when I heard it, like this, this is uh, on SoundCloud. <laughs> it was at like four thousand listens, and now a day later, it's like fourteen thousand listens. So uh, yeah, this thing is—it's it, becoming really popular, really quick. Can we put it in the episode, or are we not allowed to do that? How SoundCloud work? Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, <laughs> it has to be in the episode, so we'll, we'll we'll try and use that to close us out. Nice. Um, anything else on your end? Uh, well, speaking of having a website, I have a blog now. Oh, really? Yes. Well, you seem ex- way too interested. In that. <laughs> no, just incredulous. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, it's called Dan has a blog now. Are you? Sh- yeah, you are serious. What? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be serious? I couldn't think it's like Dan has a blog now dot tumblr dot com dot tumblr and yeah it's a tum it's a tumblr because why not <clears throat> and it's basically <clears throat> it's just like an excuse to like po- like keep doing like artwork <laughs> even if it's, even if it's you, you see the thing with the tree yeah yeah, it's it's because it's, I fall out of drawing way too easily. So this way, if, if I have to at least do like some quick weird sketch to just throw up there like once or twice a day, that's something. Plus, every now and then I'll do like a more finished commissiony looking thing. And <clears throat> once in a while, I'm going to try and similarly motivate myself to tear through my two read stack of trades and just do like. A probably overly long post about whatever I just read. So I think I have like four four sketches up there now, plus like a multi paragraph thing on a Batgirl volume. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. <clears throat> cool. And your little icon there looks exactly like you. Hooray! <laughs> That's what I'll be looking for when I go, if, I, if I'm if i able to go to MoCA. Oh, good, because you haven't seen me before multiple times. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I made it a point, too. Nice. <laughs> oh, so now, <laughs> from when we started recording this episode to now, yes. this song has been played 2,000 more times. God, I think... That just means we've been on for too long. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <clears throat> How long have you guys been recording? 2,000 plays? <laughs> um, oh, and I guess if we're talking about blogs, James has a blog also. Yeah, is it like the Continuing Adventures of James or something? It sounds like something like that. It's, it's kind of like that. I think I saw it the other day when he posted about the Hunger Games. Yes, yeah. Um, and he, he also <laughs> actually wrote a story... Uh, which you can uh, get on Amazon. I think it's like a dollar. Oh. Uh, Um Yeah, I guess if you look through some of his back ones, he actually talks about um, his experience with, uh, with using the uh, Amazon Kindle store. Huh. So. Like, like as... As a writer? Yeah, or like, as, as a retail, you know, outlet for a writer. Ooh, I think I'd want to 
read that. Then. It was yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> so nice. Yep, and I guess you know Chad also has his his blog. Yes, core conjecture. Although Chad is preoccupied these days with turning cars into transformers or whatever it is his job is. Right. So has he yes. been updating? Yes. Uh, well, he put a post on the forum, uh, just kind of showing people like what. No, I meant like on the his his blog. Oh, I don't think so. I haven't checked in a little bit. He he kind of fell off it when he had to stop buying comics for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but in case anybody doesn't know who's not on the forum, Chad, you know, he was unemployed for a while and living with friends. But he has a good job now, but he's still, you know, he's crashing with his dad. And he does not currently have his own room, so he has no quiet, committed place to to a podcast uninterrupted. So that's why he hasn't been on for like a month or two. But as soon as his living situation shifts slightly, he'll be back. Yeah, it's not like we listened to the April Fool's Day episode and said, hey, wait a second. If this is information from a future alternate universe, Chad's going to be the reason that we die, so maybe we should lock him up in the basement somewhere. I did. It's nothing like that. No. I mean, no, I didn't. Right. <laughs> okay, if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast.gmail.com. Or we have a website, lanterncast.com. On there is a link to our forum, our Facebook page, galleries, about us, all the other stuff, all our past episodes. You can also find us on iTunes, uh, search for Lanterncast. We have a voicemail, 708-lantern. And uh, oh yeah, we also have a Twitter. We have 80 blogs and Amazon. <laughs> right. You can buy James on Amazon. You can read about it on my blog, and then you'll do a custom statue commemorating the sale on your blog, and yeah. Chad will speculate about it on his blog. It will be magical. It will. So. Okay. Yeah. Good night, everybody. See you at Wild Pig. Enjoy Shia LaBeouf. You're walking in the woods. There's no one around, and your phone is dead. Out of the corner of your eye, you spot him. He's following you, about 30 feet back. He gets down on all fours and breaks into a sprint. He's gaining on you. Shia LaBeouf. You're looking for your car, but you're all turned around. He's almost upon you now, and you can see there's blood on his face. My God, there's blood everywhere. Running for your life from Shia LaBeouf. He's brandishing a knife. It's Shia LaBeouf lurking in the shadows. Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf living in the woods. Shia LaBeouf killing for sports. Shia LaBeouf eating all the bodies. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Now it's dark and you seem to have lost him, but you're hopelessly lost yourself. Stranded with a murderer, you creep silently through the underbrush. Aha! In the distance, a small cottage with a light on. Hope! You move stealthily toward it. But your leg! Ah! It's caught in a bear trap! Gnawing off your leg! Quiet, quiet. Limping to the cottage! Quiet, quiet. Now you're on the doorstep! Sitting inside, Shia LaBeouf! Sharpening an axe! Shia LaBeouf! But he doesn't hear you enter! Shia LaBeouf! You're sneaking up behind him! Strangling superstar Shia LaBeouf! Fighting for your life with Shia LaBeouf Wrestling a knife from Shia LaBeouf 
stab it in his kidney. Safe at last from Shia LaBeouf. You limp into the dark woods, blood oozing from your stump leg. But you've won. You have beaten Shia LaBeouf. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, we forgot to talk about Shia LaBeouf being at the con. Whatever. He was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he actually self-published a couple of books. This this can be it. This can be after the credits. <laughs> <laughs> did he, like, write them, or what did he do? He wrote them and draw them. Drew them. <clears throat> he, he wrote and draw them? Yeah, he wrote and drew them, and... Can he draw? No. Why did he draw them? He just wanted to make a comic. Are there people out there that bought them? Like, I'm sure there are. I mean, listen. Honestly, <laughs> there are a bunch of indie comics out there that do not have, like, uh, like they do their own art, and the art is not good. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which... I'm making a children's book. Oh, yeah? Yes. Your child will be beta testing many things. Like self-doing it? Yes. Cool. Um, What would you call it? I was listening to somebody. I think it was probably CGS, because I've just been listening to them lately. They're the only podcast you listen to, so it's probably them. Basically. And they were saying how, like, he... He's just doing it himself. Like, he's just, you know, he set up a table, and he's just selling his comic himself. And they said, it's like, you know, with his name, he could have gone to any publisher and been like, look, you know, I've got this comic idea, and I want to, you know, put it out. But instead, he, uh, you know, he just went his own way. He's like, yeah, I'm just doing this for fun, so I'm just going to do it. So that's pretty cool. But, I mean, the art is atrocious. The story doesn't look that great either, but, you know, whatever. Good for him. I mean, I kind of respect him more for doing it this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember a year or two ago when we found out that um, What's-His-Face, who was the main character in Heroes, was writing or or executive producing a book or something. I don't know if it ever even came out. But as soon as you see that, you kind of think, oh, right, this is going to suck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, like... And like like the publisher is just counting on a, on the name to sell it or whatever, but like yeah, the fact that he the fact that he's taking the complete indie creator route for it was I mean from wh- everything I heard, nobody even knew he was gonna be there set up like I'm like the people who run the con did, but like nobody in attendance knew like he was gonna be there, so it was like huh, that's kind of cool surprise Shia LaBeouf <laughs> yeah actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I've seen, like, a number of webcomics poking fun at this, but they all took took the super in-jokey approach to it, so I read, I read like, eight webcomics about this and still had absolutely no idea what was going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Gutters also was one of them? Gutters was one of them. Uh, Let's Be Friends Again. And there was a bunch of others. Seriously, just put this after the credits. This is... <laughs> <laughs> it's silver because it ain't gold. <laughs>